I thought I was seeing things, you know, like I, like I'd see, you know, some of these people, uh, we had fought with in the houses kind of peering out of the bathroom in my room and I, I wasn't totally sure, but, or I'd see someone like maybe sneaking behind bushes. I've seen the things that weren't there. So this is like slight visual hallucinations. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, kind of trying to shake it off or maybe if I just drink more, I won't have these. And so, you know, just trying to really push that button and like, well, just do this more and more and more, you know, and I'll never see or feel or know anything. But then it's starting to show up, especially after I get out and I go home and now I'm no longer around these guys. And so like my security system, like these, these guys that literally have my back are gone. And so now it's just me. And even though I'm in Walnut Creek, my, my spirit is still fighting a war. And so I'm having this complete uh, clash of reality. You know, like I'm watching people laughing and smiling and the sun shining and there's no bombs going off or gunfire. But inside me, it's, I'm ready for something really bad to happen. That was Mike Ergo, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode 96. I'm Jess, your host, and we have an epic combo for you today. But first, I want to give thanks to our show sponsor, Health IQ, an insurance company that uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people, including runners, cyclists, vegans, and more. We had our health IQ exams last week. It was so simple. They came to our house, so there was zero inconvenience whatsoever. And now we're waiting on our results and the savings that our healthy lifestyle affords us. So if you want to save for being a healthy human, like good drivers save on car insurance, or just prove how healthy you are, then go to healthiq.com forward slash YTP to support the show and see if you qualify. Be sure to mention YTP when talking to your agent. And yes, we're all about physical health here at Yogi Triathlete, but what makes us different from the norm is that we work heavily on the mental game. We don't teach you to push through or endure because those are not sustainable methods, nor are they ways to heal. We coach you to be the calm and the chaos, to walk into the lion's den with confidence and to increase your ability to believe in yourself. We watch out for self-sabotaging behaviors and guide our athletes to getting to the other side of those once and for all. We assist our athletes in gaining more sight in life so that they can be their ultimate best. In training, we are tested. It is the greatest place for our unhealed baggage to show up. So instead of pushing through and adopting a mind over matter belief system, we train our athletes to put their mind fully into the matter at hand and not only reach, but master their goals, not by blocking anything out, but by welcoming it all in with unparalleled strength. It's way more than physical, you guys. That's the easy part. It's the mental strength that creates your greatest self in this life. And the greatest self cannot be contained to just sport. You watch. I mean, we're seeing this with our team now. And for those who are ready, everything in life benefits when we step up and we do the work in every sense of those words. We are here right by your side. And our tribe is super strong. We'd love to have you on our team. 
Today's guest is such an incredible example of what I'm talking about from all directions. There were things festering inside that he was unaware of, and they were being acted out in his life without his full understanding. This is the case for many people, but the thing that I believe Mike has always possessed is a strong, intuitive voice, and I believe without a doubt that he decided long before entering this world that he was going to make some major progress in this life. While in high school, Mike had a knowing, here's that intuitive voice that I was talking about, that drew him away from the family track and into the Marine Corps band, a calling that would direct his life into the darkness of his shadow self and eventually bring light to the most powerful healing one can experience as a human. In the spring of 2001, Mike was accepted in with the understanding that he would need to complete his schooling first, and in the fall of 2001, he entered into his military life. Every one of us was still fresh with fear and shock from the events of September 11th. Mike received his orders for deployment. He experienced two deployments during his time in the service, but it was the second one that set him on his trajectory to purpose and healing in this life. Tripping over dead bodies and coming face to face with people filled with the desire to kill Americans, Mike was on the front lines of what most of us only heard about on the news. He gives us great insight into his experience of being in a hotbed of violence and the deep connections that grew as a result. He goes into his post-war story and the events that ensued as the trauma oozed from his body and mind. Drugs, alcohol, infidelity, and living a life that he was disgusted by left him with one choice, suicide. Mike will draw you in. You will feel the chills and the horror behind living with shame, trauma, and deceit. And you will feel the redemptive beauty of coming clean, getting clean, and turning in for the answers to heal. Like so many of our listeners, Mike is an Ironman triathlete, and if you watched the telecast of Kona this year, then you are already familiar with his story. Mike's been featured in People Magazine and Men's Health, as well as triathlete.com and ironman.com, just to name a few. He has been a very active member in our M21 groups and someone that BJ and Golden and I are so grateful to have in our Mindful Living community. We are in the second week of our March challenge. There's still time to join us or jump aboard next month. We'll begin again on April 2nd. There is so much goodness in our chat today, so I want to get into it. But one last piece of housekeeping, or I guess I should just say, I'm going to jump right into our March ask. And this ask is in honor of this incredible medium of connection we all know as the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are in need of your help to keep the show going. And so we're putting it out there in all her vulnerability to say that she wants to continue. We have amazing guests lined up, but... She, meaning the YTP, can no longer be sustained on what's been fueling her. So please, if it is placed on your heart, go to Patreon and set up your monthly pledge. We have some rewards up there. $10 gets you access to yoga videos. Another one is going to be coming this week. And we're feeding this community with love in the form of podcast extras, exclusives, and sneak peeks. Right now, we have over 52 patron-only posts. And we trust that if the YTP is to continue, she will get the support she needs. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. Click on the icon to become a patron and choose your level. Once you click on your level, you can always customize the amount to your liking. So thank you for tuning in. And oh man, do we have an incredible chat for you today. Mike has fought for all of us on the front lines. He has risked death in ways that most of us could never imagine. He has cracked open his heart and he shares generously for the benefit of our listeners without further ado. 
I give you Marine Mindful Creator and Ironman Triathlete Mike Ergo. So we'll see. We'll see how this all shakes down. So Triton Man, you raced that this morning. How'd yeah, it, it go? It went well. I, I'm not totally sure what, how I came in, but I think it was just over an hour. So, well, it was weird because I'm so used to the Ironman pace. Yeah. Half or a full. And then I was like, I can go faster. I don't know how fast. I'll just, I'll just, you know, see how it goes and go as fast as I can without truly, you know, torching myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. The sprint is, it was a sprint distance, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally different mindset. It's like, you're just out there. You just go from the start. Right. As and hard as you can. Exactly. And like, I didn't even feel like warmed up until the third loop of the bike where, you know, what was that like mile nine or something? And I was <laughs> like, this is so weird. And then I finished the race and I was like, I would probably just be finishing the swim <laughs> for, an Iron Man. <laughs> for an Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. I know. So. It's crazy. It's almost as, I mean, when people say, oh, I'm, ju- I'm just doing a sprint. I'm like, no, don't ever say just yeah. because they're not easy because going hard from start to finish is, yeah, that's big uh, to be able to do that. It's a totally different kind of experience, of course, than Ironman where we can kind of go all day long, which is what right, I yeah. kind of much prefer. Yeah, me too. Like BJ had me do, wouldn't you have me do like a little shakeout run a couple nights ago? Or I think it was, yeah, two nights ago, he was going to give me the day off and I was like, I can run. Like I can run. Let's just keep my yeah. legs moving. I'm having a good week. So he's like, go out for like a half an hour. Or 45 minutes or something like that. And I came back and I'm like, about three minutes ago is when I started to warm up. Like (laughs) the first like 42 minutes was like, oh my God, I've got lead in my legs. Yeah. Uh, And that was down in Mission Bay, which is like the birthplace. Oh Yeah, exactly. The birthplace triathlon right there, Fiesta Island, 1974. So it was, it was so cool. So because the last time I did a sprint was that race 2015 and that was... Well, I, my first uh, try was back in 94. I did it with my dad because his uh, co-worker, you know, our friend Dean Harper, he just, he's an, he's an Ironman, like, top 10 guy, probably top 5 guy in the history of the sport. So, but I just knew him as Dean from the office. So anyways, he convinced my dad and I to do a sprint way back when, and then I forgot about it. But then, so Triton Man, a few years ago, that was where it started. And my brother-in-law who did it with me today, he invited me down for it. I was like, yeah, I'll try it out, so... And then after that one, I was like, oh, I get it. Like that connection was there. It's like this, yeah, this is it. So yeah, it's like steeped in that history. Yeah. It's really cool. That's one thing I always loved about Ironman Lake Placid. Have you done that? No, I've seen it. It's amazing. But finishing in the oval and you come in through the Olympic oval and you see, you know, the legends of the oval up on the wall and you're just soaked yeah. In this athletic greatness. And it's just, it's really cool to to be in that energy because that energy never leaves. Right. You know, I mean, talk, look at the energy in Kona, you know, in, in oh, yeah. all those islands. Like, there's there's so much there. Like, where this cacao comes from, the energy there is incre- It's crazy. It's around this crater lake in, you know, the middle of the oh, mountains cool. in Guatemala. And it's very, very powerful. When I went down there in 2015... Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to go for a swim because I was training and <laughs> like, yeah. I got a couple and people were like, careful, like Lady of the Lake is powerful. And this is Lake Adeline down there. And I took, I don't know, like five strokes and I just felt like she was like pulling me like, like it took my breath mm. away. It was really, really powerful. So it's cool to be in places like that that are just steeped in the greatness that we love so much. Yeah, it's it, and I'm I'm starting to really let myself feel that energy when I go places because I, I can't 
ever put my finger on it, right? It's like I can't see it, I can't hear it, I can't smell it, but I, I feel it. Like it's just like a reverberation, you know, like you can feel it on a heart level. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I've, I've felt that a few places. And I mean, Kona, yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah. how would you explain that? Like, how do you, you said you're letting yourself feel it. How do you do that? It's a, a, a trust in the experience. Just a, a trust in the experience that's that's happening right now, and noticing maybe that the mind is trying to comprehend it and, and put it in a box, but but being okay with not being able to fully comprehend it, just experience it and, and notice the you know the, the the wavelengths or the the reverberation of it, I guess. Yeah, it, it's this trust in the unknown, right? Yes. The mind yes. can't the mind can't measure it, but we know that there's something there that, and we know that all we have to do is say, "Let it in," and it's in. Yes. Yeah. I don't have to fully understand it to experience it and and harness it or be part of it. Yeah. But your mind wants to <clears throat> back Always. to your box. It wants to label it. Yeah, it what is label this? Label it something that has happened in the past that it can associate with, yeah. or something it's heard, right? Yeah. What is this? How could it be measured? Is it really happening? Am I making it up? And then always like, you know, the mind <laughs> just going. <laughs> it's just like just take a breath. Yeah. And be right here. Yeah. In this moment, and just just experience it, and that's trust, right? Yes. It's the faith and trust that what's happening right now is exactly what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. And especially in triathlon, there's there's just so much stuff going on. And there's so much chatter in social media. Right. And there's yeah. so much activity when you get there, especially at an Ironman level, even yeah. at the sprint level. You're Checking, just... rechecking, moving things around, doing busy work. Just, and yeah, all the nerves. Like, I got to have this time. I got to mm-hmm. get this. Like, and I was thinking about that actually. I was just driving up here. That's, that was that same, I noticed that same kind of energy. Like, well, no, I said 1.30, I'm going to be there like right at the right time, you know, and it was that same kind of thing. It's like, well, that's kind of arbitrary. I mean, I'd like to be there close to when I said I would, you know, but. <laughs> right. I mean, like Golden and I, when we do, when we do like our weekly lives in the yeah. group and things like that, we're, we're always like 1230. And then it's like 10 of one. We're like, hey, we're here. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not that it's, we have this time, right? We have these clocks, which yeah. we were, BJ was just learning from our meditation teacher that, you know, time was developed by the farmers. Mm. And uh, I can't remember the whole story around that. Just but the farmers would, would go by the sunrise and sunset, right? So they would go out and check on their crops and plant their crops. And depending on what time of the year, those are the crops that they would plant. But then the, the farmers next door would be seeing that their, their partner farmers, are their crops are getting taller and faster quicker so yeah. then they were getting up early and so okay. everything was like starting <laughs> to morph towards so i think it's like it's like what mike was saying it's like their mm-hmm. minds wanted to put it in a box uh, yeah, and they wanted exactly. to quantify it and so yeah. that's where so time the best crops come at like if you 6 a.m and you water them at 7 and then you check on them again at 8 at night and and that just morphed into like now everybody's got to get up earlier and earlier and earlier to catch the worm like of course to get right. their crops to be the best but that was created by us. Otherwise, the crops were just growing, right? They were just yeah. happening. But in order to take it to the next level, competition, right. abundance, quantity, like whatever it is. And then it becomes a tool that is, I mean, well, we are being used by the clock, 
versus us being able to benefit by using it as a tool. So oh, totally. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with our minds. I mean, that's not to say if you have a one thirty appointment with your lawyer that you show up at two because you're already $350 deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's about trusting that timing is always divine. And we're going to get into the mindfulness and the meditation and your story and all this amazing stuff that you're doing in the world because you've stepped up, right? Like you've stepped out and stepped up and woken up and now you're sharing those benefits. But yeah, walking through fear. Oh, Just, every freaking day, dude, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> it is. It's exciting. It is. When you have that relationship to it. Like, yes. Yeah. Fear. And we always say fear can come along. Yeah. For the ride. But he's sitting in the back seat. He, he can't drive the car. Right. And I was, I was listening to you guys actually on the way up here. And, and I think you said something in uh, one of your last episodes about it's the, the fear that keeps you alive and then the fear that keeps you from living. Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly how I, yeah, exactly. Because Explain that for the audience because that's really good. Well, yeah, the two kinds of fear. So the fear that keeps you alive is the, is the, the hardwiring that's going to prevent me from walking in the middle of I-5 because that's just right. a silly thing to do or to walk out onto the tracks when that Amtrak's coming through town at 72 miles an hour. That's if I don't listen to that fear, I will not be on this earth anymore. Right. But the fear that keeps me from living is like, for example, crow pose in yoga. It took 15 years for me to get crow pose. Hmm. And it's just this little arm balance and your face, you have to bring your face, like your face close to the floor and you have to get onto that like teeter-totter. Oh. And I was so scared of, of smashing my face that I would always hold back. I would always hold back. Like I would be like, okay, I'm in the pose. I'm in the, okay, now I'm out. I would never go to that point where I could just really get that teeter-totter and get yeah. my hips up. And it has nothing to do with crow pose. It has nothing to do with doing a fancy arm balance in yoga. It has nothing to do with it. The thing is, is that for 15 years, I lived in this like fear about what if I smashed my face. And one day I just was like, okay, I'm just, I'm, when I started to pr really deepen my ability to be in the now moment... I was just in my breath, in my breath, in my breath. And then all of a sudden I was like in it. And then all of a sudden, like I was going and I was holding And then it was like all good. And then I started taking it to tripod headstand mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And one day when I was really comfortable, you know, now it's like second nature. And I went in and I smashed my face. Like I went forward and my shoulder like, you know, caved in. And that was such an amazing moment because I realized that that was not fearful. Yeah, like, there yeah, was nothing right. that was fearful about that experience because yes. I just reacted. I just kind of like... Like just softened and yeah, rolled into it. Yeah, in the moment it. you just act how you need to. You're, you, you yeah, and it was the fear about that event yeah. that kept me from moving forward in this physical pose. And when what I was fearing so much for so many years, once I had actually gotten over the fear, happened, it didn't even matter. Exactly. Well, that, that, that's like It wasn't scary. I always think of, uh, it's like getting punched in the face for the first time thinking about the person who was going to punch me in the face after school the entire day during class was way worse than getting punched in the face. You know, not to say I liked it, but that fear. Of yeah, <laughs> it is. And that's the fear that keeps you from living. Worse. The fear of yeah. being like, you know, like the book we just put out, that could have been out five years ago, but timing is divine. You know, I wasn't mm. ready for it to be out five years ago. Now I'm, now I'm like, well, what's next? Right? What? No, it's just like, what's next? So you just did it, right? Yeah. Just put the right now I'm out. like, all right, now book yeah. number yeah. two. I can't wait. Like, let's oh, that's, go. Yeah, I did and that. now it's just a matter of <laughs> meditating on it and finding if it's 
food related or if it's mindfulness related. And yeah. That, just quick story that happened this morning in my yoga class. I take, I take people up into tree. So they're in the tree. They've got their, their foot up and their hands at their heart. And then they yeah. bring it up above and then I ask them to close their eyes. Oh, I love that part. Close your eyes. And, and, it's, and you can call them on it. Like, why aren't you closing your eyes? Like, you're afraid. Are you afraid to fall out? Are you afraid you won't be in the perfect pose? And then one woman um, yelled out, it's hard. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, you just labeled it hard. But, but once you do it, it doesn't become hard. Right. Like, because you've done it. Think of all the things you've done. And I got into this big talking <laughs> thing in yoga, and we try to keep it quiet. But it was such a good experience because they were there in the moment. They were experiencing it. And they were yeah. trying, right? They were risking standing and falling out and what's the risk you fall out like big deal there's all the people that are going to watch you they're more worried about themselves yeah they, than they are about you falling it's out it's funny like everyone's going to notice no they're into themselves right now like they, they don't want to fall over so they're concentrating on their feet exactly <laughs> yeah and i always put it like ri risk your stability like r risk your stability and practice being mm. calm as that stability is being risked because that's, mm. I mean, that's how yeah. we walk, that's how we, yeah. you know, we take that next step into the thing that we've dreamed about, the thing that we want to bring into our life. It's like, okay, um, this is probably going to bring some instability. Like if I cut my hours down to 20 hours and I start doing this thing more and now there's, okay, so now I'm it's in unknown. instability and I'm in unknown. But if we can practice being calm there. And that doesn't mean like calm, like go take a nap. That means be connected with your breath when that fear is coming up and not feeding that fear, not putting fuel on the fire of that fear, just being so deeply connected with the now moment that before you know it, you've already taken the next step and you're like, okay, I'm fine. And now you've got that whole, that you've got that whole step already behind you. Yes. And exactly. then you can take the another, and then the more we do it, right? This strengthens our will. It strengthens our belief. And we were talking about this last night in a video that PJ and I did about, you know, it's easy to believe in the things that like, it's easy to believe that there's a microphone in front of you right now because we can see it and we can touch it. And yeah. it's not easy to believe in the things that we can't see yet. It's not easy to believe right. in, you know, um, let's say book number two or whatever it is. But that's what true faith is. It's believing in what we can't see. And when there's a risk involved. And when there's a risk involved. Faith is not believing that I'm standing here right now in the kitchen with what I can see and feel and touch. Yeah, right. Faith, like true unwavering faith comes in like when you're taking that next step and you think you know where it's going to take you, but you never know what's coming along the lines either. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I try to, you know, in my, my clinical practice, working with the vets, let them know that, okay, if you're waiting to feel good before you take these actions that are important to you and live according, you know, in accordance with your values and move towards your goals, then you're going to be waiting for a very long time. And then what if you just took those steps, even though it didn't feel, you know, totally calm? What if you could do that anyways and just notice the fear, but not let it consume you, but not try to completely block it out? Yeah. It's this weird tightrope, right? Yeah, never block it out. And that, you know, that idea of calmness, it's a practice. It's always just practicing, practicing, like practicing connecting with your breath, practicing. And, you know, the more <clears throat> we do it, it'll be, it'll come, you know, and you're a living example of how this type of practice can, you know, evolve and affect your life. So let's get into that story. Let's sure. get into that yeah. story. Where do you want to start? I don't know. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Northern California and a little town called Walnut Creek and really nice. Just, you know, I don't know. It's a, I didn't really 
have uh, any wants or, or needs that were unfulfilled. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty nice place to be. You know, I spent a lot of time outdoors, exploring the creeks and the hills, like catching snakes, lizards. Mm. Uh, played a lot of sports. Played baseball. Um, so, yeah, I just. It was it was pretty pretty mellow for a while. Yeah. Mom, dad, yeah, siblings. both mom and dad. I was the oldest of four, so I got two younger sisters and a younger brother. So, but I mean the like everything was good, but it, we were just pretty much just a uh, you know six people living in the same house. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. we were related to each other, but there wasn't too much uh, relationship. So it was kind of like, well, I'll be in my room, and then I'll come down, and then hopefully you'll take me to this thing, and then I'll say hello when I get home. But I really had a, uh, such a deep connection, though, with my grandparents uh, the most. And so going to their house in, in Santa Rosa, like for me, Santa Rosa was like nirvana, like paradise, because I'd go there and it was just like this deep soul connection with both of them. And it was a happy place. I mean, like that's when, I, when I'm looking for a, like a calming meditation or a, a visualizing a place, I, I visualize the backyard with the wind chimes and the eucalyptus tree and... You know, just on a couple of acres of land, dogs, cats, uh, horses. So, like, ideal place. But that sounds the, amazing. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> sounds like what we want someday. Yeah. Lots yeah. of animals, a yeah. little bit of... Sp- not, not yet. We're not ready yet. And are you in Santa Rosa now? You're in Santa Rosa? I'm about to move up there. I just Where got a new... I'm in. Uh, I'm still in Walnut Creek. Oh, I, you are? I have lived there since 85. Oh, wow. Brief stint in a couple other countries, and but mostly there... I'll be, I got hired as a director of the, the vet center up there as part of the VA. So That's that happened cool. recently. Congratulations. Thank you. It, it was, it was all during the, the M21 challenge. I mean, this thing just came up and I was like, it, like you're talking about the uncertainty and risk was like, I'll apply to this thing. And the people at these positions are generally a lot older than me, you know, in, in their forties, fifties, sixties. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to see what happens. It feels right. I'll try it out. Yeah. But they don't know your soul age. Soul age, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your soul age, you're old. But it never, yeah, it never, it, I was like, but all the things I've done, I just, I don't necessarily know what I'm looking for, but I know when I find it. Like, oh, this is it. That, that's how I, I don't know, do a lot of things. I think it's really cool that, and I've, I've known you through these groups, and I've known mm-hmm. you because we've kept in touch, and we met each other on social media, but I... I feel like I know enough of the border story to know that you're really coming into an alignment with who you are. And then look at where that just took you. That took you back to that place, yeah. that area that fills yeah. your soul as a child. And now you've been brought back there. Right. And it, was, it wasn't like um, a ration-based path. Like I didn't think my way through it. Like I'm going to do this to get here. Mm-hmm. It was, this is the next step. Like you guys talk about the kind of like the warrior path almost. Like oh, yeah. this is the next step. And, and I'm not sure what the results are, but this this is right. And this is it. And like I know it on that soul or heart level. And so I take those steps. Like it didn't make any sense rationally for me to sign up for an Ironman just watching one. But I was like, I, whatever, I know this is that fear and that, that pull, that fear and excitement, that kind of like, I imagine them like those, the, the two snakes that twine together on the, the medical bracelets, you know, mm-hmm. as like, this is it. And so when I know it, I see, I, when I feel it, I know it, but, but that's absolutely, that's the present moment awareness right there. That is the essence of it because you're not 
planning the future and you're not thinking in the past, you're just picking up the next breadcrumb. <laughs> yeah. And you're able to tune into that. So you right. have space and openness, right? You, 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 you could get caught up in the path and you talked about the VA, like it's usually they hire older people, like, and you could, you can get caught up in that. Like that's typically what they do and, and shy away from applying. Right. But Talk the myself moment, out of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The outs. We talk about the outs. Like there's always an out. Yeah. And if you listen to the out, even <laughs> in training, like, oh my God, I shouldn't be pushing another interval. Yeah. And there's always an out and you can listen to that. But yes. it seems like you're just, you're so, you're so present. I'm really trying to. I'm really coming back to just, and that's what it is, isn't it? You just come, come it's back. It's coming back. Yeah, there's nothing you know? to learn. It's just a return. <laughs> it's always there waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. Yet we avoid it at all costs. And yeah. I, I did that for many years. So what came first for you? Military? Marines or Ironman? Marines. Marines, yeah. Okay. Uh, How did you get there? Well, I was in high school and in a high school band class. And I... Like my heart was in music growing up, music in the outdoors, and I, I enjoyed sports, but mostly I enjoyed playing baseball because that was what my dad liked, and so for me that was my way to be with him. And then eventually I learned, I kind of got more and more involved in music. And one day we had a recruiter come with someone who had just graduated Marine Corps boot camp and was going off into the be the Marine Corps band. I was like, oh, interesting. Maybe I could do that. You know, that's kind of crazy. But, like, again, all those thoughts showed up. But for reason I couldn't explain, it just felt like that, that was it. And like, I was like, that was it. I don't know why, but it is. And so I signed. I, 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 you have to audition to be in the Marine Corps band. I passed the audition. And then I signed up and, and enlisted in the delayed entry program because I was still in high school. It was, like, spring of 2001. And then... You know, so, but then again, it didn't make a lot of sense because, you know, my parents saw that I got accepted to a school in, in Germany and they were like, oh, this is great. You're going to go to college. This is this nice path. And it didn't feel right though. So, and then for me, it was like a big thing. I just wanted to, to, to serve, to like be with other people and do something. I think part of it was I wanted to do something that only I could earn. I couldn't like live off of, um the work that other people had done. Like I could get a, probably have gotten a, a nice job with my, my dad's company or, and just kind of been mediocre. And that was the thing I was like, I think if I want to take a risk and do something that I'm not sure I can do, but I really would like to do, I want to do this. So I signed up and I, you know, I, I had all intentions of staying in the band, but yeah. you know, that but then there was over. a whole other plan yeah. that was hatching that none of us knew about. Cause you signed up, in 2001 right, right? so delayed yeah. entry so which would have had you going into I would have gone in well I would have gone in in the summer of 2001 but I didn't graduate high school like complete self-sabotage I I had extra you know credits I, I bef almost before the last semester of high school but then I just I failed the two classes I didn't <laughs> that I needed <laughs> so then I had to go to summer school and do all that and uh, so I, I went, ended up going in October of 2001. Okay. So then I started that path, like, you know, right down here in Southern California. That's why, you know, like even Triton Man is like, just, I can see the yeah. Recruit Depot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then where did it take you from there? Well, it took me to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And, you know, well, first, you know, a little detour in the band school, because I, I 
kind of went there. And when I finally got up the guts to just uh, ask if I could, you know, do another job and be in the infantry, they're like, yeah, no problem. You know, like I got a bus ticket down to the base there. So that, but then I showed up to my unit and I was the kid from the West Coast who had red hair and came from the band. <laughs> and, and like, and it, it would, everyone was just like, oh, please be in my platoon. I'm going to destroy this And you're kid. in North Carolina? Yeah. Which is the South. Yeah. Yeah, California <laughs> is a totally different world. Yeah. So they just, I mean, just had no idea. Like, you just guys just eat sushi and wear sandals everywhere. And just like all these <laughs> idea of what people did in California. <laughs> I was like, I don't wear sandals, but I don't know. Sushi's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like half correct. Now... And September 11th has happened. Yeah. And so I was, we knew we were going to be sent somewhere. Marines always seem to be finding the places where there's a conflict. So Mm -hmm. that's your job. That's why you're a Marine. Yeah. So it was like, well, Afghanistan. Okay. Well, Iraq. Okay. So that became a thing and we got sent there and, and. Were you kind of like what came into playing the band? Um, Um, no, I, I. I was like, I wanted to go to war. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, there was something about it I was drawn to. You know, there was something about that test. I'm not sure exactly where what were it was. You, where were you mentally at this point? So you're in the Marines, September 11th. You're, you mm. go in in October, which is yeah. so fresh. Everything is so fresh. Yeah. There's a lot of chaos happening. Where are you mentally at this point? Are you just like, get me over there? Are you just hungry for it? I, I was... Were you scared, sad? I was, I, was, I was scared and I was looking around. I was like, I'm not sh- totally sure if I belong here because, you know, like, who am I to be here? <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, I was just a... I was, I was pretty soft, you know, just like regular upper middle class kid. I'm like, I'm not sure if I belong here. There's like tough people here. <laughs> but I think I, I, for me, really what it was, I needed to prove something. I need external validation, you know, from family, from friends. You know, I, I just had this big doubt. of like, if I do this, then I'll be better. And then maybe people will like me. Maybe I'll like myself. Yeah, that's because yeah, you know that's I, what it was I, all about. Ex- I wanted, I, I hated myself. Oh, and yeah. And that goes that back does. even like further. I mean, like I had a lot of shame from, it was around eight years old on. I mean, it was just very weird. I mean, talk about going deep. Um, I had like a coerced, you know, sexual experience with another kid. And then, and it was a boy. And I'm going to church at the time, and the message I'm getting is, "Oh no, you're 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 trash." You know, nobody told me that directly, but that's the message I'm getting, and it was confusing for me. I was like, I didn't totally want this to happen, but there's parts of it that weren't bad, and there's parts of it I didn't like, and it just I couldn't categorize it. But all of a sudden, huge secret, I can't tell anyone. I have to take this to my grave, and I'm carrying this this weight around as an eight year old kid growing up and it was just kind of like looking at people and hiding like he's just hiding like if you knew me you know if you knew me you would just you would throw me in the garbage and so that's where I needed to prove something mostly to myself shame is you know the work of Brene Brown yes yes she studied shame for so long and the difference between the people who are feeling shame and people who are not is like the people who are not, who are able to be, you know, vulnerable and open is that they, they believe that they deserve to be loved. Yeah. And those that are, you know, 
really soaking in the shame, don't feel like they deserve to be loved, but that's all they want. Yeah. So they're I, looking outside. I wanted that more than anything. And you probably I, were so loved. I was. It's the I pa- was. Isn't that crazy how powerful yeah. we are our to beliefs. our to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, it breaks my heart to think like to think if I like if one one of my kids had that feeling about themselves, oh good God. Like that is heartbreaking. But for me, you know, it's like well, I'm a piece of trash, so like that's okay. I not for other people, but of course it's okay to treat myself like that. So that's I mean, that's what I was was trying to get rid of shame through external validation. Yeah. If and I do enough things, then people will like me, then I won't hate myself. Going to one of the, the <laughs> most the most intense violent wars is yeah, you know, that's kind that's of the epitome of what you'd yeah. be seeking. That makes sense. Isn't that crazy? Just that I I would prefer to go to a war and probably be killed and, and, you know, be faced with killing other people than have an honest conversation about things that happened that I didn't under, totally understand. It was that, that mm-hmm. fear literally drove me halfway across the world to fight a war. <laughs> well, that's, so what's the difference? So you've been carrying this, or, so at this point you're what, 18, 19? 18, 19, 18, yeah. Okay, so a decade. Yeah, yeah. That's, that stuff's festering. Festering. And so that's, that's yeah. what happens when we don't... Oh, yeah. I was just, we were just talking to somebody <laughs> about this. Like it's, it's not going to go away on its own. All it's going to do is get pushed into the vault, pushed into right, the vault, yeah. pushed into the vault, and then have all these other things as you move through life that will be like, oh, that's going to, that gets categorized in that department and it gets pushed down more and more and more. And then it just oh, man. Festers, festers and rotten. festers. And now it's like the only way for you to see that there can be any completion to this feeling is going to yeah. war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> such a beautiful example of yeah. what happens when How we in- don't uh, unpack our bags and deal with our baggage. Yeah. It, it And the thing, too, is just like, oh, this was constantly, I mean, like, just feeling depressed about it because I, like, seeing that there's no solution to this. There's no solution to it. So being depressed and then, you know, like, I think after that, I started like binge eating a lot because it just, I don't know, it, it felt good for a little while. And then like, you know, when I, when I was, uh, eight, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you know, drinking, smoking weed and like for a little bit, I was like, Oh, that like, that's not there. And I was like, well, maybe this is it. And then seeking that out and like, you know, so Oh, I, I was stoned for decades. I was like, oh, oh this is yeah. great. Yeah. I'm that person I really <laughs> always want to be. Uh, yeah, and, exact, and then part <laughs> is like, I can just disappear into oblivion, you know? And so I, I do that a lot when things get uncomfortable. I just like, I disappear and hide in my mind. I'd be sitting there, but I was gone. I was like galaxies away. <laughs> meanwhile, everything's still festering. Mm-hmm. Festering, right? like yeah. Everything. It's in that's that numbing out. This numbing out thing does not work. It doesn't yeah. work. Uh, all right. So here you are about to be shipped off. Where are you going? Went to Iraq and we went over. So I did two deployments to Iraq. And the first time was a part of a Marine Expeditionary Unit. And basically it's at any given time, there are two sets of uh, sailors and Marines and a group of ships, one on the Atlantic and uh, Mediterranean, and then another group in the Pacific and Indian Ocean. Just in case something happens, they can be there within 24 hours to be, the, I guess, the first uh, response. So we were 
watching some of the war unfold on a ship. And we're like, oh man, we're missing all the war. You know, this is a bummer. And so this is the spring of 2003. We, we go into Iraq and to, to Mosul. There was these grand plans to have um, a military, American military force, coalition forces come north from Turkey and while the others came up from the south from Kuwait. But Turkey's like, no, we don't want people doing that, so no. And then, so all of a sudden our war got canceled. So we're on a ship watching people take down the St- Saddam statue in Baghdad. And we're like, we felt like, like I always think it was like, we felt like that football team that was just like missing out. Like we practice all the time. And now it's like, we've seen two wars and we're like, Afghanistan looks like it's over. And Iraq is probably over because we're thinking about the Gulf War lasted. I mean, there was a big buildup in like a four day of uh, war of solid combat. We're like, we just missed like two wars. This is it. There's probably not going to be a third one. <laughs> so we, we went into country for a little bit, but it was just, we didn't, we kind of just guarded an airport and it wasn't really the, the romanticized war experience. So, so you're not getting the healing you thought you were going to get. No, I was like, man, I like, I, I needed this. Now what? So we're like, well, I guess the war is over, you know, uh, but we came back from that deployment. I mean, we got to see a lot of cool countries, do some training, but I wanted war. I wanted combat. So then we got the news that we're being sent back. And we're like, for what? You know, I thought it was over. And then, you know, this was April of 2004 when we're training to go back again, just to be security while the reconstruction of the country was happening. And then you know, there's little things starting to happen, suicide bombers and improvised explosive devices, the roadside bombs. And we're like, huh, well, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not totally uh, wrapped up or peaceful. And then what really kind of gave us a big clue that we would be actually fighting was in April of 2004, in the city of Fallujah, there were these contractors from Blackwater who were uh, dragged out of their vehicles during a security convoy and, and, you know, beaten to death, killed, and then burnt, and then, like, their bodies were strung up on a bridge. Yeah, and... Then, like, the American military response is like, oh, hell no. And so that, the first Battle of Fallujah lasted, I'm not sure, it was, I think it was a less than a week. And then Congress and the U.S. was like, whoa, there's civilians. This is like a city of, like, 250,000 people. We're not going in full force and just having a big old massacre. So the U.S. pulled out of, of the city of the actively engaging, you know, the, the resistance and the insurgents coming from different countries. And for six months, you know, this became like the beacon for people who wanted to to come fight the Americans. So there was, you know, the huge uh, resistance in Iraq already of people who were like, we don't like being occupied. But then there was also people coming from all over the, the Middle East and, and different, different countries who were like, this is the place we're going to have a fight, so we're going to come here. So that built up for like six months until my unit finally went with a bunch of other units in November 2004 and had that battle. All the civilians were evacuated, mostly. There's some still there, but largely it's kind of like everyone who's here is either protecting their house and doesn't want to leave and get their house looted or here to fight and die. And so that's what we rolled into in November 2004. And it was just, I mean, it was everything I thought war would be and then more it was just I mean some of the things like I know I I remember most of it but there's definitely parts that are just still like even if I want to access them I I think I do like just to 
so it's not an unknown anymore. There's still parts that part of my myself is hiding there still. That's it's you know protection. It's and, protection. Uh, the unconscious mind. As you as you continue on this path, bit by bit, yeah. you'll be you'll be. I'm sure of it. I know you. Oh, will. It, some have come up like during. I mean, I I'll tell you as we go along about this uh, five day silent retreat I did. Just had a couple of those bloop, like bubble up from the deep. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Powerful. Surprising too, because not what I was expecting. But no. It's never what you it's expect. Never what yeah, you exactly. expect. It's never what you expect. It's never. But, but <laughs> how often do you sit quietly with yourself? Like, I mean, we're, we, yeah. we, we all do here. Yeah, exactly. But when do you have the time to just sort of. When you allow that. When you when allow When do you it, allow yeah, it? Right? Exactly. So, yeah, what was that? So there's parts that like are still blocked. So obviously you're you're seeing things and experiencing things oh, yeah. and being in the energy. You want to talk about being in the energy of something? Oh, you are yeah. sitting in the energy of it's, darkness. It's there. It's there. But you know, there's so it's such a mixed experience. It's not one or like it's not tried about you know talking about categorizing things. It's not all bad and it's not all good, obviously. But I mean, because I was with these guys that. I formed such a tight connection with, like I knew them better than my, well, my family, obviously, because with the exception of my grandparents, maybe. But I mean, I knew these guys through thick and thin, like being put through multiple stressful situations. And then especially this, like where we literally protected each other's lives. And for me, like letting harm come to them was way worse than the death. So that was great. That was like, oh, this is this is what it's like to have relationships with people. This is how it's like supposed to be. Like deep relationships, because your walls yeah. are down within within right. each other. Like yeah. your your walls are down, and so yeah, there's a lot of beautiful. Well, you can't right the world of the land of opposites. You're in yeah. like the seat of darkness. Yes. Yeah. And so you're <laughs> you you have to have those moments of light. Yeah, which yeah. you're having with these deep connections with these other beings. And for me, it felt like we're walking through what feels like hell, but I'm walking like I'll do that with these guys for sure because I have these guys that I, I, I love so deeply. Mm. I'll walk through hell with them. No problem. Without question. Without, Without question. question. I was like, they're there. I'm there. You know, that's there. I mean, that it becomes a cliche. I think when people talk about war, like it's not about politics. It's about being with these guys and protecting them. And, and I, I don't think anyone can fully explain it. It's just an experience, like, like a lot of experiences. We can kind of allude to it and like, it's kind of like this, but we're talking about things that are intangible. Right. right? So, and did this, do you think this came through the training with these guys, like even before you got to war? Or is this something, yeah. when you got to war, it was on, like these guys are everything to me. We, you know, it built up little by little. I mean, it was, it was, I had to really earn it because when I showed up, so there was the senior guys and then the junior guys who I was closest, like, in rank to. Oh, yeah, and the other thing, I was one rank above most of the guys I was, you know, in the same amount of time because the band just kind of, I mean, you get promoted quickly in the band, even in band school. So that was another reason for the younger guys to hate me that were my age, you know? So like I was even like, so it's, it's like when, uh, when I don't know in the history of the U S when a certain group of immigrants will show up, like the Irish or Italians or whatever, like all of a sudden the group that was 
like the lowest of the low and the immigrants are like, oh, now we can hate on them, you know, because they're lower. And so they just like, it's like, you know, when a dog just takes it out on someone else, displacement, you know. So I had to earn those friendships, but it came through the training, through hardships and just seeing that like I could be trusted and they could, I could trust them. You know, like when we're doing training where people can get hurt, Mm -hmm. they have my back. And so you earn, like we would earn that trust with each other. And then through going out, getting to know each other, having conversations, you know, like, you know, sometimes deep in, you know, four or five bottles. But, but you know, we, we get to know people at a deep level. So that, it, it, and then it was like magnified, like when you get in combat. But I mean, full on, I mean, like, I'm stepping off this vehicle and like, it's like everything you think of for like war movies, like we were watching like planes and helicopters shooting missiles drop bombs you know artillery shoot off and blow up buildings and and then we're coming into the city after you know right after they do that and you know gunfire everywhere it's dark i'm like i'm i kind of know where i think i know that those are the bad guys and these are the good guys this is our side this is their side but i'm not totally sure i mean from the the time i walked off the back of this vehicle because i lined myself up to to be off first is this armored vehicle we roll in we had our objective, you know, it was a few blocks away. They drop the ramp and I run and I take a step and a half and just eat shit and just like fall on my face. And I was like, oh man, I like, I tripped on like, you know, I thought I tripped on a bag of potatoes or something, you know, it was just like this big sack. And then I look down and it's, no, it's a, it's a dead fighter, <laughs> you know, like, so like all of a sudden, and then I was like, okay, well, this is my reality now. And, and that's, that's like yeah. your, yeah, that's your reality. That's your truth. And that becomes... It becomes normalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so our goal, like our objective, was basically to go through this city of, which, in full population, holds like two hundred fifty thousand people, and go almost house to house to house from north to south, you know, kind of online like a big um, wave, you know, moving online from north to south to these other units and just kick open doors of these buildings where people. How, are waiting for us to come in, you know, and sometimes they're rigged with explosives and sometimes they just have a gun trained on in the door. And we're hoping that we can shoot them before they shoot us and just doing that over and over and over and over. So eventually, you know, it's kind of like, well, people start dying, you know, because those are terrible odds. Like, I mean, the amount of people, the, the fact that so many of our guys survived is, I think, beyond belief and maybe due to some of the strategy, you know, of the the generals had attack in the city, but I mean, we're expecting a lot more people to die, given those odds, you know? So after a while, we just, like, I just started thinking like, how many more times can I possibly do this, you know, and, and live, you know, they're like, so a lot of experiences like that, you know, and just waking up and be like, where am I? Oh, uh, just had an RPG shoot off. And the last thing I remember is this big whoosh. And then I'm looking around and people are laying down and I'm dragging them off the roof to, to, to safety. And, you know, a lot of the times people are okay, miraculously. And it's just like, well, here we are. So the interesting thing, though, that I can't totally understand, but that's okay, is that at a certain point when I stopped, be, like, needing so badly to survive that the war, I, I could accept the situation I was in a little more, and it, like, took a lot of pressure off. And it was, like, a big relief. And I don't know how to say it other than that, but... Well, when you think about that you needed to survive the war, that's looking into the future that you're able to come, you're going to be able to come home alive. Right. And I, and I believe what happened was that 
you kind of woke up to like, well, this is my realization. This yeah. is my reality right now. And all I have is this moment because your life was, was so threatened. Yeah. Mo like moment to moment that all you had was that moment. And to go any further than that and start clinging to this idea that you had to come home alive right. is not going to allow you to, you know, obtain your objective, to do your job, to, yeah. to be trustworthy of your, you know, your team and really might have actually ended up getting you killed. Yeah, and getting people I cared about killed. And yeah. That, so it's, I guess I really, really started harnessing mindfulness deep in urban combat. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, you know it's, um, it's, it comes to us all in different ways. And, you know, something like that where your mortality is, you know, in your face every moment because you just don't know. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, either you live in that moment or you're probably not going to be living at all. Yeah, so there, there was quite a few of those moments. And then, you know, just the heartache of losing people, the, just the heartache of, like, good friends just killed in a building that I'd already helped clear before and go through and search and everything. And then, you know, you can't lock all these buildings up. It's a huge city. And we'd go through and clear them again. And it's just like playing cat and mouse kind of. And so, yeah. well, and then so there's, there's just more questions than answers. It's like, well, I don't know. We've been there before and that was fine. But if we go there again, maybe we'll die. I don't know. And so not only, you know, like you're saying, you can't lock up the, the buildings, but like what you are locking up is all of these, the residual feelings of what you're seeing because you have to keep moving right. forward, right? Yeah. This is this is the recipe for PTSD right here, right? Like exactly. You're Can't stepping over dead bodies. Your your friends yeah. that yeah. you just cleared a building have gone in and now they're not alive anymore. And it's like, but you still have to be in that moment yeah, moving yeah. forward. So it's like stuffing into a suitcase yeah, and trying I mean, to and close it. It's, we'll unpack later. Yeah, exactly. We'll <laughs> unpack later. But that is the beauty of the body. Yeah. That is the beauty of the body. Like when we talk to our guests who have had, you know, extreme accidents and traumas in their life, they don't remember feeling anything. It's, it's a protective mechanism. It's this protective mechanism, yeah. but you got to go home and you got to make sure you unpack those bags and oh, yeah. what's in those bags, right? Like, so however long it is until you decide to start unpacking, all that's in there festering. Yeah. And a part of me knew and part of all us were kind of like, well... We'll have to deal with this in therapy later. You know, like we're kind of laughing, having gallows humor about, you know, what we're seeing, the, you know, the streets littered with bodies, you know. Well, you know, so you got to like, you got to laugh sometimes, exactly. you know, because it's exactly, it's the truth. It's like, all right, well, well yeah. it's your reality in that moment. It's yeah. what it is. So how long were you over there? Second time was seven months. That, that battle, though, was a month. And it was, you know, some, we had downtime occasionally, but it was either we were out in the city patrolling or we were waiting to respond to people who were getting heavy contact to go support them. Or we had a day off unless things got really bad. And then we had to, you know, but we were always, always had our gear on. So it was just kind of like, you know, that anxiety of like, well, it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? I hope it doesn't happen, but it will. Interesting though, the like turning point in my life happened in that month though and it's this, this experience that I hid for so long just because it didn't make sense. Like I felt it on a soul level, but it, it makes no rational sense to me. So, and it took me a while to, to talk about this at all. But in one of these situations, you know, where we were going into a building to find people who are, 
you know, setting up to ambush the rest of my platoon, kind of chasing after him. We're coming down the stairs in this just cement building. And, you know, two of the guys are behind me on the stairs. And I'm facing a narrow, it's a narrow hallway. And my point man kicks open a door in the bathroom. And then people immediately in this room start firing at us from maybe three or four feet away. And it's like, well, now this is my reality. And feeling, feeling heat of like bullets going by me. And I was like, I'm fucking dead. Nobody lives through this. And then just in this, in this moment as we're shooting and they're shooting and I'm like, this is it. You know, I hear a guy in back of me get hit in his helmet and go down and yell. I'm like, well, he's fucking dead. So, oh, well, part of me was like, well, I'm with the people. Like I said, that, 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 that love, I'm like, I'm here with them. That's all that matters. And I, it's like this big surrender in that moment. Like I didn't give up, but I surrendered, I like fully accepted that moment. And the best I can explain, like a lot of people talk about time slows down and that happened. And, but this was like, I, I, it was like an experience outside of time. And all of a sudden it's like, I could feel hairs growing out of my feet. I could, I, I was every single cell of my body. And it wasn't like previously I was just like in my head and this is my body that did things for me, but I lived in my head. And then all of a sudden I was my entire body. It, it, and it felt like I had eyeballs seen out of every single part of my body. And then it expanded from there to include the guys with me, the guys we were trying to shoot, the building, the city, the earth, and then just outwards. And I was just there. It was just quiet. It was, uh, and it was just like that. The most immense, just shoulder dropping. Oh, this is everything's okay. This is this is eternity right here. This is just fine. And I touched that, and I was like, all right. Well, I'm here and I don't have anything to fear. And then, you know, however long it lasted, it lasted an eternity and a split second at the same time, I guess. Back into my body. And then we're fighting these guys again. And, you know, we win. We kill them. And I blocked that out of my head because I was like, this doesn't fit in any box. If I tell anyone in my unit, they're sending me to, I don't know, I'll get committed. I'll have the straight jacket on. I can't talk about this, you know. So I... I I doubled down on like, you know, booze and drugs after that because it just didn't fit. It was so real. It was like the most beautiful experience. It was the the most beautiful thing ever. And I was like, gotta forget about it, you know? You you touched God, dude. That's exactly, I mean, whatever you want to, whatever name you want to put on it. Exactly. That's exactly what you did in that moment. Everything. There was no separation from anything. Yeah, that's that's the super that's the super Mm -hmm. conscious state. It it was everything. It's and it's timeless. Yeah. And it's timeless and it's a second. Yeah, and so it was and then I started, you know, trying to explain it in my head and you know, the, your mind, I mean, mind is our so mind limited. can't like comprehend that. No, especially when we're trying to use yeah. the English language to like wrap words yeah. around it. It's not fitting in a box. It's so. not fitting in a box, At all. but that's <laughs> yeah. really huh. expansive and unbelievable and then it was god I'm so glad you're reading the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. And I was like, because now <laughs> when I read that, it's like, oh, okay. 
okay, I, I have even just a little bit of context for it. You yeah, know? like he was asking for book. I was like, this. You I, gotta read. So that. I put, yeah, it, yeah, I put like, it out there like to you. I was like, oh, the Bhagavad Gita, and I was like, please bite, please bite, yeah, please bite, yeah. like please get it but, and read it. But it all comes in time. Like you did that to me too. You're, you'd put it by my nightstand. Like here you go, and like I, I would, would put it off reading it and reading it and reading it for some reason. But yeah. the time came. Yes. And when it yeah. came, it started to make sense. Well, there's the, I love the chapter on the field and the knower. Mm. So the field being, so the field was the guys behind you, the guys coming at you, the guns, the building, that was the yeah. field. But what happened is that the knower came through. Yeah. Like yeah. your true self came through, which your true self is not separate from God. We have this idea that God's like this high and mighty, but it's not like it's within us. He wasn't a separate person. Though. Yeah. It was not a separate it's thing. Not. It was just, I was like, oh, this is just one big thing. And I've, I'd heard that so many times, but you know, it's just like when you're not ready to hear something, you, you won't hear it. You won't, you'll hear the words, but the message will not mm -hmm. be communicated. And that's what Arjuna is like begging Krishna for in that book. He's like, just yeah. show it, me, yeah. just show give me. it to me, give it to me. And yeah. if you read autobiography of a yogi, um, Yogananda, oh, I just love Yogananda so much, but he's like always begging his, his guru, Yukteswar, he's like, you know, just give me, like, give it to me because these sages have the power to give it to you, to, ha to give you that experience, to give you that super conscious state yeah. experience. And, and one point he was like, you can't, it's actually another guru that he's talking to. And he's like, you can't handle it right now because you have to be, you have to be attuned to the energy. You have to be in tune to the intensity of the super conscious state. So you were in tune to the intensity because you were in such an intense, because the electricity that comes through in that super conscious state and it's described in the autobiography of a yogi, he says to him, you are not ready for it. It will uh, yeah. burn you. It will yeah. burn you. That's how high level this electricity is. But because you were in such this intensity and then you surrendered within that intensity, you opened up a window for that to come in. Oh, it, and exactly. And it's not like I was like, well, maybe if I do this, I'll get this. It's like I, I stumbled on it. You know, it, it was right there. And, you know, so for that, I'm just... I was just so grateful to have that experience, to walk in the in the dark like that, to see it, to have that. Oh my God, it's so amazing. It's, it's, Does your mind ever mm. want to be like, oh, can I get that again? Like, yeah. Is there, like what oh. else? What else? Yeah. What else did you experience yeah. while you were neat. out there? Even yeah. like... And I guess, not, I'm not asking you. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, as you continue on this path of like meditation and going deeper, like what else did you experience? Like, yeah. it's, it's going to be, you're going to be picking up the... The breadcrumbs, like we were talking about, like every now and then you're going to get a little sample, a little taste, a little taste. But it's so funny how the mind wants to be like, okay, well now I'm like in my living room and it's really calm and cozy here. Can I have I'm that ready. again? Can I have, yeah. Can I have that oneness again? Serve it's it up. time. Yeah, yeah. Serve it up. Like, and that might be the only time you get it in this lifetime. Who knows? Yeah. But it's, and that's the work for the sake of the work. That's walking the path. That's being the warrior. Uh, but that's such a, that's a crazy, experience. crazy experience. But even after I had that, you know, the interesting thing is it took me many years to realize I'd had that because I, I shoved it back, yeah, you know, you, and so because... You didn't know what was happening. But then when I realized, oh yeah, it's there, I was like, well, what else is there that I'm missing? What, what if I focus my attention on just being right here, right now? And so the, th the thing is about that experience though is like, as much as I'd love to be in that state again, I don't have to worry about that because that, it just is. It's not like it's going to go away. It's not like that was a one hit, mm -hmm. you know? 
<laughs> we're all part of it. If I don't know that, then I'm missing the point, I think. And you, you, know? you had that oneness experience, and that's really cool. And you had that surrender of what it feels like to die. And I've mm. also had that experience mm. of surrendering to what it feels like to die yes. and, and experiencing the last breath. And this was just through a ceremony that I was a part of. And when I came out of it, I was like, I am, I am not scared to take whatever that, that whenever that time comes, yeah. I know exactly what to do now. And it's all about surrender. It's all surrender, about, yeah. yeah, surrder in that moment. And surrender doesn't mean giving up. No, right? surrender's not about because I always think that's the fir- when you when we talk about it, I feel like that's the it's, first thing, especially like, if we're like, like not trying. When somebody told me, you know, being a marine, they're like, oh yeah, you just need to surrender. I was like, surrender. <laughs> right. that's the last thing we do, I'm like. You must be high, you know. Seriously, you know. And don't forget, I'm the daughter of a Marine. So I was never taught how to surrender. Here's how you surrender, Jess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's how you surrender. You win everything, Jess. You You win every conversation. You do whatever it takes to be on top. You were like that. And I was like that. I was really good at that. Oh, yeah. Uh, My parents were amazing. They, you know, they they wrapped me in love all the time, but I was never taught like the surrender or really even the compassion or, you know. but I was, I was like a Marine in training, you know, that was, exactly. that was me yeah. as a kid, you know, and, and I love that because that's given me a lot of will and discipline, but like you, now we're directing it in this way that's even more powerful, I would say. Yeah. So well, go ahead. I was just saying like, now it's like, it, it's, it, I, I feel a lot more free to, to, to be with that. And just like, it, it's always here. Like, I don't. Mm. I don't have to worry anymore about chasing something or becoming something or getting to a destination to have that salvation to have, you know, it's like, it's here. It's here right now. It's oh yeah, totally. That's beautiful. That's such a gift. Um, all right. So you come home. Yeah. Come home with all your baggage. <laughs> Yeah, with all my baggage. Yeah, <laughs> nicely packed. But you don't down. even know. You probably don't have no idea about what you're are what you're carrying inside. Well, and and just exactly, I was like, well, when I get home, the war is over because I am in in the United States where it's peaceful. Yeah, and going you know, back to Walnut Creek. Yeah, going back to Walnut Creek. <laughs> and exactly what you think about it, it's like that. If you picture Walnut Creek, sounds amazing. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. But I get back, and you know, I'm still in for another six months, and then. It's this big honeymoon period of getting home. We're like, yes, you know, I see my wife. We're just dating at the time. And mm-hmm. she gets here. I'm just putting it up. And she, I mean, it's like, it's powerful. It's so powerful. Because I'm like, this is great. I'm with these people I love, you know. But then, like you said, that stuff I packed away starts showing up, you know. How is it showing up? At first, it was showing up with, I thought I was seeing things, you know, like I, like, I'd see, you know, some of these people uh, we had fought with in the houses kind of peering out of the bathroom in my room. And oh, I wasn't totally sure, but or I'd see someone like maybe sneaking behind bushes. I've seen the things that weren't there. So there's like slight visual hallucinations. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, kind of trying to shake it off. Or maybe if I just drink more, I won't have these. And so, you know, just <laughs> trying to really push that button and like, well, just do this more and more and more, you know, and I'll never see or feel or know anything. But then it started to show up especially after I get out and I go home and now I'm no longer around these guys. And so like my security system, like these, these guys that literally have my back are gone. And so now it's just me. And even though I'm in Walnut Creek, 
my my spirit is still fighting a war and so i'm having this complete uh, clash of reality you know like i'm watching people laughing and smiling and the sun shining and there's no bombs going off or gunfire but inside me it's i'm ready for something really bad to happen well your nervous system did not did not know that the no. threat was gone Exactly. That's what happens when we're, because yes. you were sympathetic nervous system for seven months. You were fight or flight for seven, actually you were just fight, fight, fight yeah. for seven months and probably even in all of your training and everything like really mentally preparing and right. you know, the, the nervous system doesn't know when we go in for surgery, the nervous system doesn't know like, oh, at three o'clock I'm going to get my tonsils removed. So when we go under and that knife cuts in, the nervous system says I'm being murdered. Yeah. It doesn't know. So when you came back and you're in Walnut Creek and everything on paper looks like, oh, he's back in Walnut Creek and he's got his lady and this is amazing. Yeah. Your nervous system is still like, there's somebody in the bushes. There's somebody coming up behind you. Yeah. Very much you were still in battle. Right. And then like the downward spiral started really hard because at least in the Marine Corps, I had this stability of people expecting me to perform and the responsibility of taking care of the, the Marines in under my command, just to, my squad of guys. But now, really, I can just show up and go to class. It doesn't matter if I don't go. I mean, there's really no consequences, you know. And so I'm having all these thoughts and feelings that I don't want to have. And so I'm just like pouring as much booze and, you know, cannabis onto it as I can and pills, some cocaine. Just like, let's just, whatever, this isn't working. Let's have more of it. And... And then, of course, as, I, as I'm using more and more, I'm doing things that are totally against my values. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking people's trust. I'm not showing up for work and lying, um, you know, cheating on my wife. It's just like, and I'm just looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what a piece of shit. And the more I, you know, then the shame just boom. See, exactly. All the, the voices were like, see, we told you. We told you you were worthless. Given enough time, you would do this. Just kill yourself. And that was like playing in my head every day. And so I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm even worse than I was before I went in now. And, mm -hmm. and so I was just like, well, you know, this is just going to keep happening unless I just kill myself. And so I just like think of ways to kill myself. Like, how could I do it? You know, like with the least impact on other people and, um, because obviously I don't deserve to be here. You know, my friends survived too. And then I had another layer of like survivor guilt. Like my friends who I held in higher esteem than myself were, were killed. And I was like, well, what am I even doing here? And so, you know, and then I, especially, I remember one day looking in the mirror and I have Semper Fidelis, always faithful, tattooed on my chest. And it's Marine Corps motto. And I was like, and I'm just thinking of like, I cheated on my wife. There's, there's what a, what a fucking lie. What a lie that is. I'm just looking, I was like, just disgust. I couldn't look myself in the mirror. And I'm just like, well, I guess I just do this now. I, this is just my, my reality. But, you know, I've like, finally I had just some saving grace. So there were just little ticks here and there. Like maybe I started eating a little healthier. I was like, what else could I do to feel better? And, but I, I and I was going through school. You know, I had, things weren't all bad. Like I was going through school to become a counselor to a social worker, a therapist, 
while I'm having this double life too. You know? Oh yeah, it's the secret life. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. The secret life. It's exactly. Like once the bathroom door closes exactly. and you see the always faithful, and you're like, "You're a piece of shit." And then you come back out and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna go to school to learn exactly. how to be oh, kind. Help, 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 help other people. people. Yeah. Help other people, and but not." Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I'm laughing because I've I've lived through, I've been a double agent and double agent. I like yeah, that. I've been a double agent. <laughs> I'm laughing at it because I I can look now at the insanity because it's really insane. It's really insane. But you know, I know that people are living this now. I know they're living this right now, and they might yeah. even be listening to the show. It's terrifying if they are because you you see like you feel your heart's desire so much. And there's like, there's no way I can have it. Yeah. There's no way I can have yeah. it. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's no way you can have it. And so the only thing is like, all right, so how, how can I kill myself and not be an asshole about it? Yeah. Let's just end this. This, this is done. We yeah. tried life out. Okay. But I got, a, I got class in 15 minutes. So yeah, I'm exactly. Go to class. Exactly. <laughs> are you, ha- do you have, besides alcohol and drugs and things, do you have support? Like, are you seeking out any kind of support? Yeah. Uh, therapy anything all along the way you know i had a neighbor who was just like, every time i see him he's like i know i know you'll, you'll tell me you'll thank me for this but a vietnam vet a neighbor of mine who was like a scout leader and a coach for uh sports teams and you know I, I his son and i were about the same age he brought me to the place i work now the vet center and he's like you look like i did when i got back from vietnam i go to this place and i talk to people and that's okay and since I trusted him and it was like, oh, this guy has seen a lot of combat, you know, that's like the measure I had is like the more combat you've seen, the more legit you are, you know? And so, and I trusted him and he's like, this is, this is okay to be here. And so I, I went there, uh, just out of respect for him. I was like, I'll try it out. But I mean, it, it was hard because like the tending to one's spirit or even emotions is seen as, as a weakness. In, within the military because you're you're trained to, to go to war and you can't have feelings when you're when you're fighting when you can't you can't you have to just push you it gotta away soldier up it's perfect for survival in those situations it's terrible for living for being fully alive so like i didn't know how to live when i came back and i was trying to apply that to it yeah you know? and it really needs to be it really needs to be cracked wide open and I think you're doing this cracking it wide open on the other end when people get home like okay welcome home it's yeah. time to feel yeah exactly and like I could start to kind of like peek out like my, my real self and just like okay I'm kind of struggling with this and like just like test the waters and like okay people haven't like you know tied me to a stake and burned me or anything yet so but I wasn't going to tell anyone about like the infidelity and I wasn't going to tell anyone about a, you know, a lot of things. Shame. You were selective yeah. too. Selective in Shame wants to protect yeah. itself. Oh yeah, it's like, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> if they knew, that, that voice is still there. Tell them a little bit. You know, but yeah, if but they don't really tell, knew. Don't, don't go healing yourself now. That's yeah. not going to be good. Oh, I was going to say something. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. What, you had talked about like eating better and things. What, did you have a rock bottom? Like, did you have a... a a moment where you said, I don't want to do this anymore because obviously you're here yeah. and, um, you don't look cooked up. So I think yeah. things are going better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, As we're drinking raw coke and you brought us apples and bananas. <laughs> so amazing. Uh, yeah. What was the moment? Do you remember a moment or a progression that started to yeah. take you out of the darkness? I'm trying to think it wasn't an all of a sudden thing, but I think when I was, I was faced with the full truth of like, what it means to really live and 
so right when I started, I got my job at finished school barely, you know, was still using, I, I joined this, this group and it was, it was kind of a service that was provided by my vet center. And it was this weird, it was kind of like a weird hybrid of, of spirituality and, and therapy. But it, it, the basic message was, your heart will know what's right. And, and you have the choice to follow that, which you know, which no one can fully tell you. You'll just know it. It's not like a written down set of instructions. You'll just know it. Or you, have the, you can just deny that and walk away. And when I, I was fully saw like, oh, yes, I want to live. I want to be heart-centered. I want to, I want to follow what I know is right. Cause I, I, I've had those, those moments, you know, I've had those connections with my animals, my grandparents, you know, my wife. Um, but I knew what the cost was. So it was terrifying. I was like, I'm going to have to come clean and just like stop hiding. So then I was like, so, you know, um, I mean, I've been married to my wife for four years now. And I, I told her one day, I was like, I was like, I don't know, there's no good way to do this, but I can't live this lie. And so, you know, I just kind of dumped it on her, though. And I was like, look, this is what I've been doing. I've been hiding these things. I've been hiding, you know, she knew I was drinking all the time, you know, probably not to the extent. She knew enough to know that I was off the rails. But, and then I told her about, you know, infidelity. I was like, look, I'm sorry. This is, I, you know, I've been telling myself I'm just how, how much of a piece of shit I was. And then I do things to prove that. And then I use again and I do things to prove how bad I was. And I know I've hurt you. And this, this is what I'm doing. I can't, I, I want to be honest with you though. I can't be dishonest. I can't, I can't at all. And she, you know, so that was a, like things were really shaky from then on. She's like, I don't even know what I can believe about you. I don't even know who you are. Literally. She didn't know who I was, you know, because I had broken trust. How do you reestablish that? It took time, a lot of time. I just said, whatever, this is the unknown. Like, I knew I had to do it. It terrifying, though. I was, like, thinking, like, man, if I could just go on another deployment, I'd rather do that and then have this conversation with my wife. Because as I told her that, and as she's like, I'm leaving, and just walked out, I just felt myself, it just, it felt like I was dying. And and it felt like I was like, well, here you go. You know, you finally opened up, and, and of course people won't want it. But I was like, I knew that that just needed to be done. I don't know why. That's so. the weight. That's the weight of your actions. That's yeah. what you're feeling, the weight of your the actions. Weight of my actions. And, and when we numb out and we pull the veil down yeah. and, and we pretend that we're not moving through the way the, through the world the way that we actually are, we're not feeling mm. the weight of our actions. And so that's like waking up. And what's so cool about this story is like there's like there was that like our true self is always it's in right there, there, like rooting for us, going, yeah. come on. just tell her and knowing that you she left and she might never have come back yeah and like you had to take that risk but that was the the weight of your actions because every action we take has it has a consequence right and and uh unfortunately that was the consequence but yeah but she did come back yeah exactly together yeah yeah she called me (laughs) the next day from her parents house and said look this is it we we can we can work things out but if you have one more drop or one more, one more joint, one more, any kind of chemical like that, it's over. We're done. And like, I, I wish I could say like, oh, of course I'm going to do that. But then this fear was like, 
but I'll never feel good again. You know, like it was there. So I know I hesitated. I'm like, uh, yes, uh, I'm doing that. Cause I knew I, I, I loved her more than that. But also the fear of like not having my buddies, you know, <laughs> these buddies, right. all these different drugs to. You're relying. That's, yeah. that's the root of addiction. You're relying on yeah. them to. And at, you know, since a, that young age where I had felt shame and then at, you know, like preteen years where I discovered cannabis and then, and then alcohol, I was like, that's been the source of how I felt good for the most part. You know, so I was like, can I feel good again? Is this worth it? I don't know. So it was terrifying, but I did it. And, you know, went to some of the recovery groups for a while and had another Marine that I knew who, who took me in. And I continued on the spiritual journey and I just, you know, would call people up and, and tell them how much they meant for me. Those, these are assignments where, like, tell these people why they're a gift to you. Call them up and speak from your heart. And you can't wimp out. You can't just half-ass it. You have to show up completely. And like, oh, oh, and boy. that's so was that, vulnerable. Was that hard? Was that hard? Yeah. Like when you got that <clears throat> assignment, is it... Like super hard to yeah, actually like, just reveal yourself to these people. Because I'm thinking in my mind, that's just to pick up the phone or whatever, like face to face, whatever yeah. you have to do, you're just revealing. It's like, I have to everything. tell my dad I love him. Like, I don't even, how does that right. happen? Right. You know, it's just like that. I mean, my dad has always provided for me and, and always been there for me. Um, but there was no like, you know, I love you. I love you. No hugs. It was just like, if there's a hug, it was like a hug in a backpack, you know, or it's like growing up. That's how it was. And so to, to say that, I'm like, I know he's going to be able to handle this. You know, and they're like, are you on drugs again or what's going on? And then, and then I had to do this even more scary to um, have this conversation with my Marine Corps friends and, and tell them how much they meant to me. And I was like, what? No, these, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to go back and beat you up. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, what is this? You know, like we don't do feelings here, you know, like. I, what was the reception? What was the reception? For, for the you? most part, I mean, it was it was awkward. Just the same way it would be awkward, I'm sure, if I was in that situation. People called me up and told me how much of a gift I was to them and why how I was so important. You know, we knew it kind of on a level, but to say it that directly was like, ugh. But I remember one guy asked me, my squad leader. He's from you know the South Bronx, just one of the toughest humans I know. <laughs> I called him up. He's like, what? you about to kill yourself or something? And I was like, no, no. I just wanted you to know this. He's like, all right. Yeah. You're cool too, man. All right. You know? And that was like, so that was his way of saying like, all right, like, you know, this is, this is awesome. You know? So as much as they could, they would, they would say, yeah. This, but I, lo- I love this. Cause oh, there's so much happening. Well, first of all, this is how we open our hearts. Oh, right. Cause that's super vulnerable. So scary. And you made a noise. You went, Ugh, right. And that's how it feels. The like cringe. to me, yeah, when I started to open up my heart and become vulnerable, which I thought was the biggest weakness in the world for yeah. my whole life, I was like, oh, like, oh, like yeah. I would rather do anything right now than have to open my heart. But that's the very reason why you need to be doing it. Yeah, and the other exactly. thing that I love about it, <laughs> yeah, exactly, I know. And so it's like, it's like if we have a fist in the middle of our heart, yeah, it's unclenching that fist. And um, one of our guests, Lex, Ferrier. It's a great podcast. We go really deep with her and she talks about that, like releasing mm. the clenched fist in your heart. Yeah. And that's what it was. You were like releasing it. And then the other thing that I love about that assignment is like, it doesn't, it's not about trying to 
worry about what the other person's reaction is. It's just you expressing it. I need to open my heart. Yeah, it's you it expressing it. doesn't matter what it, they say. Regardless of what they no say. No expectations. You yes. just do your assignment, just like your objective. That was your objective. You go and you yeah. open, now it's a totally different objective. You open your heart, you express from your heart, and then that's it. It doesn't matter how they receive it. It doesn't matter because it's love. Whether they're blocked up or not blocked up, it doesn't yeah. matter. And that's like, again, doing the work for the sake of the work, like do, doing that expression because it's in your highest good. But even if they're walled up, they're still receiving love. Yes. It doesn't yes. matter what their, yes. it doesn't matter what their reaction is. It's not there to validate you. It's about you healing yourself exactly. in that right. moment. And you know, and, and sometimes it's well received and that's fun. Yeah. But like I've noticed that, you know, it gives people permission to, to, to accept love and it gives people permission to to give love too. I know what the hell. Somebody why has to go first so though. It's freaking hard to yeah. Yeah, give and receive. Like people can't even take a freaking compliment. Like yeah. I remember that in my 20s, I had this like epiphany. Like I'm going to start accepting compliments. When people <laughs> say something, I'm not going to like beat them down with why no, that compliment right. is not true yeah or say they're they're better like like yeah. you're good athlete no no but, but yeah. you don't understand so you're I so remember good it, like, I, deflecting. Yeah. I think it was my dad it was let somebody, me compliment you somebody said that to me like just say thank you and move on yeah. just say thank you <laughs> I love so it was it, like yeah. so it was like starting to receive right yeah little bit by bit starting to heal so okay so you're on this journey of healing which is amazing and you're and right. you're strengthening and you know your wife is watching all of this yeah and, and she's then, like is this for real and so there's still it's it's tenuous because people want to see i've had this long history of not doing this you know is this like a two week you know like you know am i joining the gym in january right and it's like i have a new year's resolution mm -hmm. you know and then <laughs> it's gonna fold by like right you know mlk junior day it's just like done right you know, like gym right. membership over so she's she's waiting to see if it's the real thing is she the one that kept you on track like was she, was she the one that kept you on track to to doing to staying true to what you said yes yeah she is and like i it's it's uh I don't, I have that and it, it's, I, I, don't, I can't believe I have her because, because she's done that. She, she gave me the freedom, you know, because she told me too at a certain point, she's like, look, like when she called me, called me from her mom's house, I know you, you are better than this, but if you keep going down this path, I'm not going that way. Yeah. And so strong, I needed to be thrown into the deep end. You know, it's like, I, like I, I have these crucial moments where it's like, if I don't do this now, I might wimp out later or talk myself out of it. Give me an hour and I'll find out 10 reasons not to do it. The you outs. Know? The outs. Yeah. Exactly. The outs. They're, yeah, the they're outs. always right there. But to, but to zip them up, it's almost like you got to act now. Oh yeah. Like act now. That's what, that's what I'm discovering as I, as I see, I'm seeing more and more outs especially in my training. You're like just I'm, seeing more and more of yourself. I'm seeing more yeah. of myself. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm seeing opportunities a lot of work. to like get out. But if I, but I'm, what I'm finding is if I act, just act. Just act. And it, it can go to like an interval in the pool. Like yeah. you got to start the next one. It's like, just do it. Don't think about what, how you're going to feel or how much rest you're going to get. Just do it. Yes. Right? Exactly. And so I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing it now. So it's so... Make it, decide that, you know, you know it's right. Or you, you know that calling of your heart, you make the decision and then you do it. And okay, yeah, you'll feel the feelings. Yeah. 
So one thing that our meditation teacher really has drilled into us, and he was saying this to us in our last session, because now we do our sessions together. Right. Oh, cool. <laughs> We've only had one. <laughs> but <laughs> More to come. More to come. Uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's so powerful. Like and so make simple. your yes, yes. a so yes simple. and your no a no. If you're going to do it, do it. And if you're not going to do it, that's okay too. Because yeah. as you know, Mike, like with universal law and how the universe works, you know, when we say I am going to so BJ and I, this is what we do every morning. We have a hit list of what we're going to accomplish. And we, and we say, I take it one step further and I say, what are you promising the universe today? I promise the universe today that I'm going to transfer that 401k to whatever. Yeah. And I'm going <laughs> to, um, you know, finish this website and do the podcast. And then at night we say, okay, what did we do that was, how, what did we do well today? Okay. And we didn't get to that. And why didn't we get to it? And it goes top of the list tomorrow. Mm. Because when we say to the universe, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to be sober. I'm not going to cheat on my wife anymore. Yeah. And the universe goes, all right, cool. And then you, your actions are in opposite of what you say. Then the universe goes, oh, well, I guess this guy doesn't really mean, like his, his yes doesn't really mean yes. And so don't really have to deliver on those dreams yeah exactly that's it's like all these things are so simple so but to actually simple. do them they're so simple but they're hard they're simple but not easy and you know it's it's just i don't know <laughs> i laugh at how simple it is because i say can you know is it really this simple yeah it is and that's the yeah. mind wanting to make it more complicated <laughs> Okay, so you're doing all this healing, hearts open, um, and but there's still a lot of stuff inside. So what a great way to start really processing the pain than to start doing Iron Man. Oh yeah, exactly. When does that come in? Because because the moving the body yeah. is a great way to process. Yes. It's not the only way to process. It's it's not a full spectrum healing mechanism. You got to do the other work too. You yeah. got to do the heart opening work. It's not just about pushing through and enduring, but it's really great way to process. The, the, I think what happened was I turned 30 and for my 30th birthday, you know, I'd, I'd been, you know, drug alcohol free for better part of a year. And then my friend gives me a registration to a half marathon. And I was like, you know, again, he kind of like, he's like, hey, I'll jump in the deep end with you together. We'll do this. And he ran distances before. And yeah, I'd done a lot of intense training. But I mean, the longest I'd probably continually run, maybe seven miles. And so that for me was like the unknown. We might as well be talking like light years, right? And so I was like, okay. And then at a certain point I was running. And after the first couple of weeks where my body just like, you know, getting all the junk out of it from you know, months and some years of sedentary living. I had this one run and I remember going down the, the street and I just had this feeling. It felt good. It felt safe. I was like, Oh, and I was again, it was like that knowing I was like, this is it. And like, I was, it was familiar. I was like, how did I forget about this? How did I forget about how good it feels just to be here and do this? And, and then I, you know, I ran the race and it was fun. We did this together, and then, then I have a, a a Vietnam vet, another guy who comes to my work, and he says, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking of getting a bunch of vets together to do a swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco, and it's a little over a mile, and a little current, you know, when it's cold and and all that. But 
you know, it'd be really fun. What do you say? And I'm just looking at this guy like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? That, that's like the opposite of anything fun. Like all of those things you said just sound awful. You know, like cold, windy, current, you know, Alcatraz, <laughs> Alcatraz. we're not talking about sharks, but we're like thinking about sharks. Right. And, and then, then in the way, so Earl, he did this and I still love him for it. He goes, okay, cool. Well, you know, I've done this with Boy Scouts before and like they're 12 and 11. Well, some are 13, but um, if you can't hang, I understand, you know. And then I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> Calling that you out? Yeah, he knew exactly. Yeah. He just, he's like the wise master, just knew how to like lay it down. No force, just like, well, sure. You know, if you can't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then so like, th- then, like, thank God for my like pride and ego, because I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I'm going to conquer it. And I'm going to hate every, you know, stroke. And But I just remember jumping in the water, especially the cold water. Like, you can't be depressed in, in cold water. You can't. It's impossible. No, it's, it's a wake up. It wakes you up. Yeah. You're, you're just cold. You're just cold and then you move. <laughs> you can't be depressed. <laughs> you can. It's like, oh, I don't feel good today. You just know. You start swimming. And then eventually I just, I found the rhythm of breathing and going stroke after stroke and, you know, awful form, I'm sure. Because I, I knew not how, how to not drown. I didn't really know how to swim at all. I didn't have a background swimming. So... But just that it was enough. And then I started training more and more. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this, you know. And I, and I thought I'd just do the swim and be over. And I'm like, I've conquered this, you know, belt notch. But no, I was like, I like this. And then so like it just... Because it's a lifestyle. Now yeah. it's becoming your lifestyle. You're like, ooh, <clears throat> I'm sober. I'm still married. I'm not doing drugs anymore. Yeah. And I love the... um When you said, how did I forget that this feels so good? It's yeah. because you were... When we Numbing. numb out... Mm-hmm. Right yeah. when we numb out, like oh, I want to numb out my anxiety, or I want to numb out my fear, or I want to numb out my anger. We numb out our joy, we yes. numb out our freedom. You can't pick and choose. Yeah, we yeah we don't selectively numb. I'm just gonna numb numb out sadness and and fear. Yeah, and but anger. I'm gonna keep my joy and my bliss <laughs> and my freedom and we hope, no, though. you numb everything. Yeah. That's yeah. the pr- that's that's. The problem there is that you numb everything. And, you know, on this path, if we continue to use alcohol or, you know, on this path of mindfulness and meditation, we're always going to hit a ceiling. Yeah, always. We're always going to hit a ceiling because we're we're not going to be awake enough to hit that next level. And like when Mm. you were there in in battle in that building, you were wide awake in that moment. Yeah. You know, in the intensity. And you had that experience of oneness. We will never be awake when we're numbing. That, that, that is, and that's it. And, but to, to, to go away from numbness, you have to go through like that pins and pins and needles. And that Ugh. sucks. Yeah. It's that's totally terrible. sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> I'm getting that, but then, then I'm being like, oh, okay, I can feel a little bit uncomfortable and it's not killing me. And then I'm just accepting more and more discomfort in a healthy way, you know, and I'm, and and then along this time too, um, well, I think it was the next year. It was they all happened somewhat close together, but I think it was the next year's twenty fourteen. Maybe it was right after this Alcatraz swim. We go and we're in Hawaii in the Big Island, and it it was this miraculous coincidence that it just happened to be the same time as Iron Man. 
And I was like, oh, I've heard of this thing. You know, like I just remember like people like running through lava rocks in my head. That's what it was. And like just like suffering and sweating and getting sunburned. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a sounds great. Yeah. It's like that's a thing for like Olympians. Like, you know, uh, I knew this guy from my office. Dean did it. And then, you know, I come to find out like, you know, this guy's this guy's like the real deal. Um, But so I start looking it up, you know, like on my phone. I'm like, oh, huh that far why would people do this and like all these like i I was having this like anger fear reaction to it and we're watching people on the bike course you know uh going out and coming back and i'm getting hot just like sitting there watching them but i felt that same thing it didn't make any sense it's like this it's this it's this you wanted it yeah and i felt i felt that that pulling to it and and then I think, like, my wife kind of was kind of looking at me. She knows when I get the look, you know, of, like, <laughs> you know, she's I like... I want some of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm just, like, flies are coming in my mouth and just, like, and I'm, like, just standing there, mouth breathing. And then I, you know, I, so I watched that race, and I'm like, well, I've had this experience where I walked towards fear a few times, and it's really paid off. So what if I did that here? And then I signed up for, well, it was then, there was the Vine Man. So yep. I signed up for Vine Man Half. And then, you know, so that my first race though was that Triton man, you know, a few years ago. And then, and then I was like, oh, I love doing this. You know, I, I kind of learned how to ride a bike as I was going on. Like, I was like, well, I don't have to be perfect to do it. I'll just figure it out and do the best I can. And, and then, you know, then I did an Olympic and then, uh, well, I did a couple of Olympics and then I did that first half and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, maybe someday I'll do a full one, but like way off. And then, and then <clears throat> But as that was happening for that first half, I just like, well, there's got to, there's something else missing in this. It's not just a race. Like I just, there's something else missing. And I watched uh, a YouTube clip about a woman named Lisa Hallett who lost her husband in Afghanistan. And she said that one day she's like, I'm tired of just sitting in my grief. And she just went out and started running. And, and I was like, oh, yes like that like i knew there's something to this and then she was running races in his memory and like talking about him i was like what if i could talk about my friends because like that was still like seal that door shut because i didn't want to it was just pain all the memories you, friends and you didn't pain. have a you didn't have a viable outlet to honor them no no like it, it wasn't it wasn't enough just to remember that you loved them <clears> like you you needed you specifically you, you needed something more and right. whoa, what an amazing way! Yeah, and to that, honor them. that's where the dots connected. I was, I was, I was crying watching this video of her. You know, they invited her to Kona to, to mm-hmm. race there. I remember the story. I, yeah, yes. I totally remember her. Mm-hmm. And I was just having this just catharsis of just oh, this okay to feel the sadness that was below the numbness, below anger, and below fear, and. I can grieve because I love these guys so much and, and you know I love so deeply that I can feel this pain because it's there underneath and that was like the test I mean I, I, I could hear it but I had to really go through that to experience and that was that 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 heart journey and then I said okay I'm gonna put all these guys names on the back of my jersey and on the front and you know so I had 29 names on there of guys who died during our deployment and then who had been killed in subsequent deployments, a couple of guys who committed suicide. And and I was like, if I feel sad, I'm gonna feel sad because I feel sad about this because I there's love there. 
If they meant nothing to me, then it wouldn't mean anything. Then I wouldn't feel sad. There's something there. What is it? Being curious and, and being willing to, to follow that. And so I followed my heart and running that race. I was like, well, people need to hear about this. And so I started writing about it on my blog. And then I was like, maybe I'll do this again. And then as I was, I was like, people will probably do this all the time. They don't want to hear this story, you know, and that was the mind. But I was like, well, I'll just do it anyways. I'm not a writer. Who are you to write stuff down? And so, I, but then I just kept writing about it and, and this difficult journey, being vulnerable about it. And, and once I really opened up though and started being vulnerable, then people started responding. Cause like, oh, this is real. You know, like the bullshit detector, but you know, was like, oh yeah, no, this is real. And I was like, oh, I didn't think people would want to hear about my like hard times. I thought they just want to hear like the, you know, you know, the Hallmark movie, you know, story of it. Right. Like, you know, oh, that shit's <laughs> vanilla. People want to hear. They yeah. want to hear. This the... is so, this is just so good. Yeah. Like you're just opening yourself. Like, yeah, you, you're finally like loving yourself and, and, and people can see that. Yeah. And then you're, it's inviting them in and now they're part of your story. Now they're like, this, this is, this is amazing. Whereas before, and, and it seems like you still had unworthiness because you're like, I can't write, I shouldn't be writing. But you're quickly turning that over and like embracing the fear yeah. and the risk of like, yeah, I'm just going to keep writing. I'm just well, going to keep writing. I learned to not push that, that away and just like, just imagine myself kind of like giving that person, that, that voice compassion be like, you can be here too. That's mm -hmm. fine. You know, like oh, I can hear these things, but I'm not going to wait for that voice to go away or to say something different before I, I do what I, I feel called to do. Mm -hmm. And then it's like terrifying every step, but it's so, so, so worth it. But because you kept, and you've said this a couple of times now, like, well, I've walked through fear before. I can do this again. That's what it takes. But yeah. you have to take the first step and then it, it gets easier and you get to rely on it. And that's what you're doing. You're relying on it. That's how you were able to move forward and move forward and open. And, you know, when I look at the 29 names on your shirt and the sadness that you feel, the way I see it from my perspective is that those 29 beings gave you the gift to heal your sadness. Yeah. Now, the mind wants to say mm. that my sadness is because they are no longer here. Right. Right? Yeah. But actually, the sadness is deep within all of us and that them leaving the world was almost like the symptom to allow that now to come up and actually heal. It's like the fever yeah, is yes. not the sickness. Right. The, you know, the fever, the yeah, the fever is the symptom. Oh, it's so easy to miss though. It's, it's, so, it's so easy, easy to, to see like, well, that's what it is, but yeah, you're but right. And they, what a gift they gave you. They all gave yes. that to you. And then I saw the, the sadness and, and, and fear and all those things as just sensation and energy. And I was like, but then this energy, like I have runs, I had a run where I felt these guys running in formation with me and like, it was there. It was just this, this it was like a golden light of just, we're, we're here. They're not gone. Nobody's ever gone. It's like, and then I remember that. That's why I laughed when I, I read something, one of the texts about the, um, the, the Buddha talking about, you know, when they were sad about when he was about to die and like, leave you. Why would I leave you? Where would I go? You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The Buddha, you know, Buddha's awesome. The, the book Dhammapada is you know Buddha's works and mm. Buddha's super cool because it you would think that the works of Buddha are like really intricate and yeah. like oh no I'm not smart enough to read this <laughs> this 
that dude was like no nonsense, right? As most of the sages are, like, and, and the great gurus, they're, they're just, they're no nonsense. Yeah. Right? Like, what? What? Like, for you to mourn the loss of my physical body is ridiculous. That's so immature to think that that's, yeah. that that's like me. I'm never gone. Yes. They, I'm deathless. It. Exactly. And so I, I had this feeling and then I saw, okay, this is the path. It's not something to block out. It's not something to conquer. You know, this is the path. This is the wave to ride. And then I, and then I was like, oh, wait. And then I started to look forward. This is my fuel. Like when I, when I see the, feel the fear or sadness or the, the, maybe the anger beforehand, I'm like, okay, what is, what is this? You know, be with this. And then because I know it's like, this is a, such a powerful current of energy that this is my fuel and this will propel me, you know, throughout this long run or this. And so it became, you know, the way I, I lived. I was like, okay, I, I can, I can be part of this. I don't have to fight it. You know, it's not a surrender. Conquering. Yeah. Surrender. Yeah. Surrender. And so then I was like, oh, it's not a bad thing. It's energy. Right. So, but the mind wants to put it in a box. So yeah. what was your first Ironman? Santa Rosa last year. Was that last year? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we <laughs> shared. We shared your first experience. Together. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's How cool so that? cool. <laughs> and then you did Kona. Yeah, and you know, it's, two. <laughs> yeah. so how did that? Yeah. How did that come together? How did the Kona thing come? Well, when I registered for Santa Rosa, they said, "Why'd you? You know, why'd you do this? You know, like that oh, question yeah, at the end, they, like yes. what's what's your deal, man?" And so I was like, "Well, I could just click, you know, like I want to be in shape." Or and I was like, "I was like, I just felt this little ping of like." Uh, take a risk, you know, like what the hell, Tell spend a few story. extra minutes. And so I'm there, I'm, you know, typing it out and speaking from my heart. And I sent that off. And then later on, you know, they kind of gave me a call. They're like, oh, that's pretty neat that you said that, you know, we want to maybe, you know, um, give you a platform to talk about this and, uh, you know, let you talk about this on a, maybe a podcast somewhere or in a newspaper article. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. So they were planning this big surprise. And then finally, uh, it was two weeks before Ironman Santa Rosa. I was actually, it was about to drive up to go do this big river swim up in Portland. And I'm talking to this, this other Marine Corps vet, um, about Ironman and like why I like, you know, doing triathlon and why I like doing races and, and a little bit about combat. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, I bet, that you wish you had like a bigger platform and you know kind of like a bigger stage where you could really tell people about this and just like I totally he set the trap and I just walked right in I was like I was like well this guy doesn't know how, what Iron Man's like because the only way you could do that is you go to Kona and that's like for elite people I'm not at that I haven't even done one yet so like I'm trying to like alright dummy like I'm going to explain to you like <laughs> how far off this is and I ex kind of explain it to him and he's like Oh, weird. I mean, that's interesting because I'm here to tell you that Iron Man's inviting you to Kona this year. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I mean, what? Like these, it just, boom, now this is your life. And this is, I was just like. Yeah, so I, what's your initial reaction right there? I was, I, I was like, don't fuck with me, man. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> this is not a you cool joke. You don't know what I've been through. This is not a cool joke. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they don't have to pretend like it doesn't mean so much to me to get there or like see that because I mean, I've seen it, you know. And so I was like, oh. And then it's just like, oh my god, and it just starts sinking in. And then I'm thinking like, 
this is because this is the story. This is how I can tell people about like how to, to, to really live and, and have that, that, that walk that warrior's path or that have that heart journey of opening up. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I mean, this is all because like I didn't listen to that voice that was saying, well, they probably won't care. You know, I was like, just take a risk. There was no, like I wasn't doing it for a result. I was like, just do it because this is right, you know. And it's, it's the, the mind is tricky. Yeah, now he's up from his nap, so yeah. he might be jumping on you. But <laughs> the mind is tricky. You gotta, and I think this is what's so potent about getting still and having a practice, is that you start to be able to discern between that voice in your head that says, oh, don't do it, they're not going to be interested, and yeah. then the voice that comes from your heart that says, like, it's the knowing. It doesn't even say anything. It's just the knowing. Stop and do it right now. Yeah. Stop and do it right now. And it's like when I talk to people too, like I'm late, you know, to go somewhere, but it's like, talk to this person. No, but then it's just like, no. He just says that all the time. Yeah. Just showing up in the moment. Like if you're kind of, you always come back and you're like, I just had the most amazing conversation. You're like, and it could have just been like, oh, hey, how you doing? You do that all the time. And you have these like epic conversations where you just. Random strangers. A person. those, Those are always it. That's always it. It's yeah. usually not the thing you're going to. No. Like that was just the vehicle to get you to this, you know, random chance, you know, coincidence in air quotes, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and when I was thinking about it, this is so funny because we, Jess, we had talked before about us meeting up at Super Frog last year. Yep. And then it didn't even occur to me. And I probably walked right past you, you know, oh, like, we were doing the, the information We were like booth. running the, the info booth. booth. Yeah. But that was perfect because you guys met up, it was with Marianne. Marianne, Lakers, right? right. And then we, if you pull, went up to the info booth, we yeah. probably wouldn't even have seen you because we were so engrossed in her crazy story. But that was like my plan. I was like, oh, I'm going to meet them and we're going to do this. But, but that it was we did it. Yeah. And then when I was listening to that podcast with her, I was just laughing. I was like, yes, this is <laughs> That's why. Yeah. That's why. That's, that's why. the same reason why you were watching Kona that time. Yeah. You know, like you had a connection with, with Kona. You yeah. had a connection. You were there watching the race. Yeah. And a little, what was it, a year later or two years? That was 2014. So. Yeah. And then three years later, later I got to there. be there. And, yeah. and then, you know, the voices are, were still there. Like, who are you to be here? You know, like. Oh, of course. Of course. And then I'm like, that's okay. You know, I'm here. But that's, but oh, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You notice them. Like, yeah. they're not going to go away. Like, yeah, these, yeah. these thoughts right. don't go away. They don't disappear. They're still going to be there. And we talk about this in our yoga classes. Like, the thoughts are always going to be there. It's like, are you going to invite them Just in? Just make friends with them. Yeah. Just make friends with them. Yeah, don't get mad at them because getting <laughs> mad at them is that that's that negative ego energy. Uh, because as long as we're in a body, we're going to have those weaknesses because that that's the weakness of a human yeah. is having this mind that comes in and wants to talk and the self-doubt and all that stuff. And we're, we're always going to have that, but like, you know better now. I know better now. That when I yeah. hear that stuff, I'm like, oh, God, you're back. Okay, yeah. fine, right? Like, yeah. that's cool. You want to come, come and teach this yoga class with me? Come and teach the yoga class with me. But yeah. you're not going to teach the class. Like, you're just going to be right there and you can be in my head and you can do whatever you want. But I'm going to continue to connect with my breath. I'm going to continue to see the beings in front of me that are there to you know, learn and move their bodies. And, you know, so it's, we're not immune to it. That's going to continue to show up, but you get more skillful. And this is what we talk about with like in the groups and stuff. Like you just get more skillful at living this game of life. Like this is a game. We're here in a school. It's like, I don't, I'm not getting past this. Like I I think starting 
with a meditation practice, I was like, okay, eventually when I started, I was like, eventually I will get past this. And then I'll just like be home and have a clear mind and I will not be bothered and I will not. No, no, no. But then I can just, it it doesn't stop me, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, it's like, okay, hello. And then come back and then. So you've got a pretty good practice now. So you had been meditating on and off and, um, you'd been listening to our podcast and yeah. And then you joined our first M21 group back yeah. in November. And then it's so crazy because now we're in our fourth and we're going to keep doing them every month. Yeah. And so where is your practice now? It's just about every morning. It's, it's so like, cool. so I wake up and then I take a, I was five minute, but now it's down to three minutes because it's about the same amount of misery, but <laughs> a cold shower, freezing cold. And that's where it starts. <laughs> and I just like... You're like, just I relax into de- it. Can't be depressed in the shower. Why, why is that? Is this? The, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Well, first is because I was like, okay, well, I have to get up at like five thirty or five to train. So if I'm meditating before that, I'm gonna need to get up earlier, and I might be tired. How do I wake up? This will wake me up. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, it wakes me up for sure. I so know that you're like, all right, I have to be. I have to be on the bike by 5.30. I need to, you know, be able to eat. And then... You reverse engineering Oh my like God, every single night I start going backwards. And BJ's like, what time? I'm like, 4.10. He's like, yeah. no! I'm like, 4.10, oh. dude. That's what we have to get up. And so we can is, do yeah. our meditation. And yeah, the 4 o'clock hour is often here. But it's, it's a training effect, it too. Is. It's yeah. a training effect. The Wim Hof, he's... Exactly. The, the cold therapy. Uh-huh. Um, Sid Garza, who we had on the podcast, too, is doing it right now. He takes a cold shower and it's... I love it, it. It has effect on the body and the, and the mind, obviously, because yeah. it, gets, it, it yeah. gets you going. It'll wake you up. Okay, so you take your okay, three-minute yeah. cold shower, which don't don't be ashamed of the, th- the three-minute freezing cold shower. Yeah, it, it worked up. It worked up to two minutes. At first, it was like, all right, you know, just 15 seconds is, you know, straight misery. And then, and then eventually, you know, that tight fist, you know, around my mind or just saying, like, I can't do this, I can't do this, started to release. And then... It's like, oh, if I can get past two minutes, then like I can you make just it to like five. Gotta like relax and yeah, do just it. Yeah, accept it's, it. It's no different than like <laughs> the burn of the legs on the bike as you're yeah. doing a climb. Like, it's just a different sensation that the mind yeah. wants to label as different. But if you can relax into that, it's like it's okay. This is fine. Yeah, because the mind's there to protect you. Like, don't wear yourself out. I mean, right. from millions of years of, we might not survive if you keep it up at this pace, you know. Right. So it's it's a great thing to have. And then if you can say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and then. It's so it is mental training for sure. And then then I'm awake and that's great. Awake and ready. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm sitting down and sometimes one of my cats joins me, I'll just hear this purring and it'll be sitting on me. But I'll I just um I'd start with a body scan and just noticing my body, you know, and then coming back from thoughts to body, my fingers, you know, hands, and just working my way up or down. And then just uh I was one of you guys was saying just uh, to focus on the pineal gland, the third eye there, and just feel that sensation and just be there. And that's hard. That's really hard. Uh, but that's where I, I, I go, and that's where I keep coming back to. And yeah. then it's just it's just an opening, you know. Yeah. It's one of those things like I don't know why, but I'm just it's I'm like it's opening. I'll be here with it. Yeah, keep going to that because that's yeah. eventually the mm-hmm. eye. Like you start to see the world through that eye. Mm. Yeah, don't re- don't rely on these things. Yeah, you wanna you wanna see the world through this one. Yeah, uh, you and, already are. And I mean, I had a deep dive into it before. I had a, another meditation teacher who, who brought me 
to a, a five day, it was like a Vipassana meditation retreat uh, in the Santa Cruz mountains. Oh, so beautiful. And I was like, we'll be silent for five days. That sounds awesome. You know, I was like, something's going to happen. This is cool. And I'm like, just let go of expectations. And I got there. One of my favorite parts though, was as we start, <laughs> so they, you know, we just say, all right, we're going to do this. And there's a brief introduction in the circle of, you know, like 50 people. And then he bangs a gong and then it starts. And then we're sitting there. And then this one, this one lady asked the teacher, did we start the not talking part yet? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. <laughs> so he already kicked off. I was like, that takes the pressure off completely. <laughs> That's awesome. Because you know you're all in the same boat. You Everyone's like trying to be ultra spiritual. In right. Moment, already. Like, like posturing. Start, right. Yeah. I know. And like, just forget the show, man. And I was forget doing it show. too. I was like, just, well, they're doing it. I'll do it. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fear. just, it's showing up. It's showing up to yourself, showing up for yourself. Like, yeah. Showing up for yourself. And when we show up for ourselves, then we show up for you know, our wives and our husbands and we show up yes. for our neighbors and we show up for our whole community. And then even outside of that, we show up for the whole world because the change that we want to see in the world, it doesn't come from making laws. It doesn't come from pointing the finger. It doesn't, yeah. all of that stuff. When we say like, oh, this is happening in our world because this law and we start pointing fingers, that leaves us powerless. It's very yeah. victim mentality. But when we s- just start to unpack the bags within us. Which is better. That's where yeah. the change begins. And connect with people. Yeah, I we got to do that. Just that. The, and then during that time, there's this big thing that bubbled up, you know. I was, ex- I was, I think I was really expecting this big, like, you know, huge firefight to appear. The, you know, I was, I thought I knew it was going to happen. I was like, there's things kind of hidden. But I think it was day four, the thing that bubbled up was, surprised me and how much it just, just crushed me just, with sadness is in that month in, in Fallujah, we'd come across a house that had some dogs in it and we brought that one of them back with us, you know, and we like adopted it and we, we gave it to the next unit. And I, I, I think someone brought it back to the States with them, but it was like, we had it. But then this big sadness, like that followed that, like that feeling of joy was like, what happened to the other dogs? Like, what do we, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I honestly, I don't know if we left them there. I don't know if we killed them. I, I don't know. But that just, that feeling of that, that that harm or neglect or whatever it was, was just the most crushing thing. And it, it just felt like this big bubble from really deep and just poof, per, like sat there. And I just, I sat there in this meditation, the sitting meditation, and just, you know, just crying. I was just feeling it. I was just, yeah, this you're is just here. letting it process. I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to think about it. It's awful. Just, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But and again, those dogs me. are giving you the opportunity oh. to heal. Yes. Yeah. The dogs are giving you the opportunity to heal. So when we look at that and we see like an asshole in our life or somebody that makes us really sad, yeah. they're just showing us, they're giving us the opportunity to heal. Uh, when we look at like the horrors that happen to animals, I when I feel myself getting like caught up in it, I just, I pull, I know too much now, right? Can't pretend anymore. I, I pull myself back out and I say, thank you for the opportunity to heal. And I turn it into the, just this mass gratitude because yeah. I know that all the horrors that I see in this world that are brought into my awareness are there 
to allow me to, to see what I need to heal. And yeah. so to flip that and turn it into gratitude and say, thank you, you know, to those people that lost their lives, um, in that school mm -hmm. shooting this week, thank you for the opportunity to heal. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to heal because that's all this is. It's opportunity to heal and become whole again so we can get back. It's all the return. Yeah. It's, it's that, that, that sadness, that, that vehicle, right? Yeah. That, that, that healing, that love. Yeah. So, and I feel like we could go like all night long, <laughs> but we have a yoga to We have a yoga. Are you coming yeah. to yoga? Yes. Oh, that's yeah, so amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have to boogie because we have, um, we have to teach where BJ's teaching. I'm going to take it with you. I can't wait. It's awesome. amazing. It's, we use the trigger point rollers. It's yoga roll. Oh, cool. So good on our body. So I know our, our listeners are probably like, what did you just do? You just cut the conversation, <laughs> but there's so much gold in this conversation. And yeah. I feel like we're going to have you on again. Now that we know you're racing Santa Rosa, we always do a round table mm -hmm. after the race. So yeah. maybe you'll come and join us again. Definitely. Well, you awesome. guys are going to lead yoga again, right? Before the yeah. race. Oh yeah. 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 Working that out with the city. Yeah. Right they're now. so awesome. The city's just like, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you back. So how do people get a hold of you? Because they need to find mm. more out about what you're doing in the world. You're working with vets. Yeah. You're bringing mindfulness into their healing. Like, dude, this is so, so important what you're doing. I'm trying to bear my soul on, on my blog and, and I'm, I haven't written about the, that experience of oneness yet, you know? But the, it'll, when the yeah. time comes, the words are going to be perfection. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I wanted to share this with you guys here because it's like this, because you. you guys can hold this and you guys could be here with it. So that's, but they can find me at, at transitionsfromwar.com. And then I just started a podcast too. And I'm trying to, yeah. yeah. And that was another, like, you, who are you to do a podcast? You know? So oh my God. I love it though. It's fun. It's fun. It is. And it's like, it's all right, well, I'll just do it and, and, you know, fall on my face maybe. I don't know. But then, and with the podcast, I'm also doing guided meditations that I'm putting out there. And I, I want to do them, like I did one of just about feeling feelings, feel, you know, seeing thoughts, observing, coming back. And then I'm going to release a bunch, maybe more about like pre-race jitters, about fear of getting in the water, maybe sports-specific ones. Just, just for to have to, you know, to try it out. Just so. doing the work for the sake of the work. Yeah, put I it love out it. there, and it's for somebody, you know. Yeah. Somebody it will could connect be, with the way that you come across with. And your it could message. be yeah. thousands. It could be one. It could be millions. It doesn't matter. You yeah. just keep doing what's coming up from your heart that you know I you're, you're here it. to do. I love doing it. It's awesome. I love you. I'm so psyched <laughs> I, I to I just. I love you too, Mike. <laughs> I love all of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's and a good place to end. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys. Let us know what you thought of the show. Please share it with your friends, especially our military brothers and sisters who may be suffering in silence. Mike has since moved back up to Santa Rosa and started his new job with the VA. He is living out his path of healing more and more every day. And from his wholeness, he is now allowing the space for others to heal because there is always a way. Suicide is not the answer. We are all playing this game of life, and the thing I love most about this show is that we dive into the caverns of darkness with our guests, and we share the how in regaining the light. 
This is a special show, and BJ and I are so grateful to be the stewards of Yogi Triathlete. Please check out the blog post and show notes for this episode at yogitriathlete.com. And if you are curious about walking this warrior path with us, living in an awake and ready state of being and mastering, not just meeting your goals, then reach out to us. There are so many ways we can work together. Until next time, be on high alert for how you are moving through the world. Words matter, actions count, and thoughts are things. We created all you guys, and we have a choice to do that deliberately, to create the life we dream of as the person we know we were always meant to be in the world we want to see.